Hello there. Welcome to Podrick the Podcast, the incremental podcast. I'm Aor Sadra, CEO at Incremental. This series is titled We're All Mad Here, where I interview various people from the marketing industry discussing the changes happening, latest trends, and general opinions. The interviews are done in a casual setup with no prep, making the flow of the conversation quite natural and prone to surprises. In today's interview, I had the pleasure to speak with Amir Chaval, Marketing Product Director at Plarium. Amir has a ton of experience in the EdTech world and has been doing marketing products at Plarium for the past five years. Plarium is one of the top mobile gaming companies in the world, operating an extremely complex and sophisticated marketing machine. We talked a lot about the privacy-related changes and its impact over marketing, amongst other things like Facebook, in-housing DSPs, and so on. Hope you'll enjoy listening to this interview. Hey, Amir. Hey, Mo. How are you doing today? Good. Good, I'm good. Thank you. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. So you're based in Israel, right? Yes, that's correct. And is it still uh, winter in Israel terms? Wow, this winter this year is amazing. I personally like the cold better than the summers that we have over here. But, you know, it's so chilly here that uh, this winter, it's like end of April. And they say there's going to be like even colder this weekend. So let's see. You know, I visited Israel a couple of weeks ago and everybody was like wearing coats and so on. Coming from Berlin, a European winter, I was in a t-shirt most of the time enjoying this springy weather uh, for me. Um, I think the coldest was in the offices with the air cons. That's that's really problem mm-hmm. in Israel. Yeah, but you know, the, the truth is when I think about how cold it is here, I cannot uh, not think about our friends and colleagues in Ukraine, you know, the suffering they go through now. And, you know, there it's like uh, around zero, sometimes below zero, all those people that uh, stand in the long queues in the border or so. This is really a terrible situation. And, you know, we, we have our hearts uh, with them and, and we, we, we support them, of course, as a company and also as friends as much as we can. So, you know, we can't complain about the weather when some people go through this uh, terrible suffering. Yeah, and I, I'm, like we should also add that Plarium has uh, more than a thousand, roughly, people working in Ukraine and Plarium has given enormous support from what I heard, uh, both from you and also from the from news um, to all of the people working in Ukraine, right? Yes, that's right. We, we have gave them personal support, financial and, and other support. Also, we contributed or donated money to the, I think it was the Europe, 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 Ukrainian Red Cross. And um, yes, this is the still ongoing uh, effort to help uh, yeah. whoever we can. Yeah, and it's really nice also, again, like because obviously both of us uh, are Israelis and it's uh, really cool to see that uh, we can give a hand and support those in need because I think uh, you know, in Israel, I think, uh, you know, like, usually we don't talk about these topics in these podcasts, I would say, because we try to keep it light, but, like, you know, uh, war is pretty much ongoing. So I would say, in a way, we've become used to it. Um, but uh, this is something that we did not expect in 2022. Yes, yes. I was talking to somebody quite senior from our Ukrainian office yesterday. And he said the same. Yes, you Israeli guys, you are used to it in some way. I told him, look. We never had to leave our homes. This is uncomparable and from it's like unthinkable, you know, having to, to, to pick your uh, family, put them in the car and take a few things and just run away. This is really yeah. terrible. Yeah. 
Um, okay, Amir, can you please introduce yourself and give a like background to how you ended up where you are? Okay, so um, um, I'm with the Plarium for the past uh, five years. And previous to that, actually, I began my career as a developer. Uh, graduated from the what they call the, the elite Israeli army uh, programming school and uh, after about 15-16 years as a developer I thought okay this is has been fun and interesting but not what I'm want to do in the rest of my career and I wanted to move to product management because I wanted to work more with people and less with machines and wanted to get closer to the business and since then I've been working in senior um, product management positions in various companies in actually quite different industries until I ended up in a, 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 the ad tech business about um, seven or eight years ago and had a tremendous uh, experience. Uh, we were not like an independent startup, but we were uh, like a startup within a company. And we, we tried to build a business of uh, um, a platform for uh, user acquisition. And we had a backup from the management. We had a lot of uh, the deep pockets, if you want. We even acquired a couple of, uh, of, of companies. Um, but then after a couple of years, after actually getting like the first uh, customers on board, the, the board decided to change course and they, they invested in another company. And so uh, they kind of uh, shut us down in, you know, uh, in a matter of a week or two. But uh, since then, I, I, I began to, to like uh, this industry, industry of, of uh, you know, mostly uh, mobile um, advertising. And I was lucky to 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 Plarium, where actually my role today is uh, to, to be in charge, among other things, uh, on the development of very, a very similar platform that helps Plarium marketing and also our sister companies, Product Menace and Big Fish, to, to manage uh, their uh, user acquisition um, activities and re-engagement activities and uh, bring um, quality users uh, to our games. That's super cool, by the way. And I didn't know that you were a developer. And it, it actually, you know, instead of going through some of the questions I prepped, I'm going to ask you a couple of like uh, um, uh, questions off my sleeve, uh, as we call it. Um, like again, as a developer, what makes you like this world? Because as developers, you know, uh, you have the privilege where you could literally work in any company these days, like any company would hire you. Why mobile gaming? Why ed tech? What do you like about it? So first I will answer you not as a developer because I don't consider myself as a developer anymore, but I think that uh, it did give me an advantage as a product manager because I have the technical background. And I can, and you know, deep, dive deeply into details when needed. And as a product manager, you know, I ended, I started as a product manager where I could because, you know, as a developer, I didn't have a good uh, background in, in product, and so I took whatever I could. Um, and I always wanted to to work uh, or to build products that reach a lot of people, which mostly is what we call B two C product. Okay. Uh, but you know, my career path took me mostly to 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 build B two B products. Also, in in ad tech, uh, mobile advertising, or you know, those systems are for marketing teams. They are B two B products. 
but at Plarium, uh, you know, I got as, as close as possible to, 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 to work on B2C because we have very close relationship with our game studios and we influence uh, the game and we sometimes build the uh, features together. Um, so this got me closer to where I wanted to, to, to be. And I think also in, in EdTech, um, it's, it's an interesting domain. And, and again, my, my maybe background is helping here because unfortunately, especially in recent years, things got more complicated, okay? So under this guise of uh, privacy, we have uh, all different, uh, you know, parties in the industry that are making our lives much more complicated. So it it, it takes, I think, um, more than just the, the the creative mind of a marketeer to handle marketing these days. So you need to 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 also understand data and to understand uh, um, and to be able to 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 work with the data and, and to to build let's say, uh, uh, solutions that will overcome those challenges. And, and here, definitely, my background is uh, helpful. Cool. Uh, but there, by the way, I can very much relate. I actually love the fact that this industry is a mess. And it's always a mess. And every change makes it messier. And changes are very frequent. I don't know. For me, like trying to always organize my thoughts and like connect things and understand how things should be working and so on, is really like what I love about it. Um, yesterday I was um, doing, a, I was speaking with someone that completely doesn't come from our industry. Uh, they're like health tech and whatever, and like advisory to the minister of finance. And at the end of the call, they said, um, your passion resonates through the call. It's like, yeah, I've been doing this for 21 years. I absolutely love this. If I, I think if I didn't like what I'm doing, uh, that would be like a pretty sad career. Yeah. Um, but don't you think it's 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 too messy? I love the mess. I, I I know that it's very messy. I know that it's also messy because there's a lot of interest. It's an industry with a lot of money in it. Let's let's like mm -hmm. we know that, and we know that it creates a lot more noise. Um, as a result, like again, I think uh, you know, I don't, we don't really touch this topic at all uh, in this uh, um, call. But a couple of years ago, there was like so much fraud in the industry. Um, and that was a huge challenge that was kind of like, uh, you know, no one expected it, uh, but also no one expects the Spanish Inquisition. Um, and what else did I want to ask uh, you? Like in Plarium, you guys are pretty unique. You develop a lot of things in-house. Mm -hmm. That's right. How many developers are there in Plarium? Well, in Plarium in total, we are quite, I think, a big company, at least in Israeli scales, although the majority of our employees, as we said earlier, are not here. Um, Plarium today is about 1,800 employees in total, uh, but the majority of them, of us, develop the games, right? Uh, for the marketing technology, if you want, yeah, we, we have several teams involved, um, um, but I, I would say maybe about uh, 30, 40, and um, it depends like who, who you count in. Um, you know, it's, it's, really, it's really interesting because Plarium traditionally, it's a company that likes to build everything in-house. You know, at, at some point when I joined the company five years ago, they even played with the idea of, of uh, you know, building our own uh, MMP instead of, uh, you know, paying uh, one of the, the, the traditional MMPs. Um, but I think this was like, 
like a bit over over uh, overdoing it. And um, so, but but we we constantly when we need to do or we want to do new new things, we we always look outside for existing solutions. And you know, this is how we we got to to work together, right? So uh, maybe someday we will take upon ourselves uh, to, to solve this uh, problem of incrementality. But right now, definitely, uh, we prefer to, 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 to have someone else take the risk of the, let's say, the, 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 the R&D and uh, try to see how this, uh, um, this kind of these solutions can, can be combined with, uh, with our needs. No, I think, you know, certain solution makes sense to build in-house, especially when it really touches the core of what you do. I don't know if, if that, does Plarium have its own DSP, like a bidder? No. no that, that, would, that, I would think, would make sense. But I think that when it comes to take attribution, so, you know, King.com for a very long time had its own attribution. The, um, the pain in the ass with your own attribution is the connections, like the APIs to all the platforms. Yeah. That's... That's like a pain in the ass. When it comes to incrementality, I think here the reason to work with SaaS rather than, and of course, by the way, you should build your own model. That's not, not a doubt, by the way. You should build a model that allows you to predict what will happen when we'll make this change. We cannot do it for you. No one else can. But when it comes to um, like the act of measurement, because of the external factors that you do not have, um, again, market conditions and so on, it does make sense to work with a third party, but actually the fact that I've known Plarium for, I think at least a decade now, um, you guys really build impressive amounts of tech. Oh, thank really you. Cool. Why do you think that we should uh, build our own bidder? Well, it's relative. So if you think of attribution, okay, attribution is a relatively simple product. Okay. Mm -hmm. you, yes. you, match, you match an ID to an ID. Okay, and if you don't have the idea, you triangulate basically what we call fingerprinting, horrific name, by the way, um, but you triangulate data to match. Okay, so that part is relatively simple. And I think as a developer, you know that you can build it yeah. um, to maintain the integrations, the APIs with all the platforms you're working with. That's the really, really hard part. And I think that's what at the end you're paying for. Yeah. Um, also the scale comes... and, and the, the availability, right? Because you don't want to lose any click and any install and you want to have, you know, 24 seven availability in 99.999. So this also has a cost, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. But I think there you guys have a lot of experience because the games are up, the services are up and so on. When it comes to a bidder, so a bidder, again, does something fairly simple. It beats on the open market. Mm -hmm. There is a standard open RTB uh, that everybody works on. Um, you can a utilize quite a lot of um, you know open source even um, um, products to build your own bidder to have your own logic, and that can be directly connected to your marketing platforms uh, plural that can do a lot of things. On the other hand, of course, there is a lot of um, uh, in-housing bidders already available in the market um, that you could be using. Um, basically building your own algorithms for the buying optimization. But I mm -hmm. think that if I look at some, you know, uh, big names in the industry, King.com again, uh, jumps here, Machine Zone. Um, I, I don't know if they still exist as Machine Zone now that they were acquired by uh, AppLovin. Mm -hmm. These guys mm -hmm. operated their own bidder. And um, Zynga just recently acquired a bidder. Yeah, well, you know, the, the, the so-called startup I told you earlier, but, you know, uh, when I... Uh, uh, started like seven or eight years ago. So we, we actually 
built our own bidder. This was part of our uh, stack. Uh, not sure I, I would have done it uh, today again because I think we 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 tried to do too many things in parallel back then. But it was 2014. I think it was the early days of of you know uh, attacking in mobile. I think today that there probably there are um, existing solutions, what you call in-housing or like uh, open source. Um, we we had some some thoughts about. But, uh, about this and we, we again what we tr wanted to try first is to see whether you know what you call programmatic rtb e is it working for us at all because if we cannot get quality users through these channels why build this technology okay and we didn't we this was not successful for us i think you know the what what what, what we learned at Plarum is that um user acquisition is 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 not the same for all games the genres are very different from each other and at least today the games that Parium has not all the channels uh, work for us and um, so i think this is maybe one of the the main reasons why we didn't invest in, in this uh, this area another question amir so you're you're a former developer as you say uh, but who do you um who do you play more in Plarium? Do you play more with the developers or the uh, marketing people these days? Or you see yourself as the in-between? Oh, as a product, I'm always in-between. That's the, the beauty of it. I mean, uh, <laughs> you, you don't take sides. You're always the, the middleman, always the ambassador. Um, and that's part of the job. Um, but of course, you know, the way that uh, I think uh, Others uh, view me and view my team. We are like part of the development organization. I mean, Plarma is the, different because this, the way that we structure our developers is, as I said, also the developers so far of the products that I'm responsible for, they are also from Ukraine. So that we're not like organically together, you know? Um, actually, I'm, I'm sitting in Israel with the marketing uh, organization. So I think I can say that I, I enjoy both worlds. Cool. And uh, okay, let's jump to another question. What piece of advice would you give anyone trying to enter this industry for any role? Um, so uh, I think it's difficult to, to have a, a straight answer which would fit any role, but I'll give it a try. Um, so um you know if we, if maybe we, we exclude developers because developers are developers are developers and most of them they don't care okay if they're building a, a rocket ship or, or a game um but uh, those that who do care and, and all the others i mean marketing is is uh, um i think it's it's uh, um you need to 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 it's kind of what you said earlier um, in a different angle, what you called messy, I would say it's uh, uh, the only thing constant is change. So um, you, you need to be ready for that because you know some people don't like the cheese being moved too often. Um, so you need to you need to, to understand it. You know what 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 was working a couple of years ago will not work today. You know if if uh, until recently Facebook was the king of uh, of marketing channels. That's no longer the case, um, and people need to adopt. And if you if you don't adopt, then your history. So uh, I think this is uh, maybe the, the the first advice I would give. I, 
I love that sentence, by the way, like the only concept is change. I also used to uh, use it all the time, especially when I interview a lot of people in my previous role at the Applift. Um, you know, sometimes you have people coming to an interview and telling you that they want stability. And uh, usually <laughs> I have like this grin, grin on my face telling them, you're not going to get stability. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, there's no way you want stability, go work for a factory. Um, yeah. Yeah. Let's jump. I if I, if I may be a bit philosophical today, you know, that if you look at the world in the past couple of years, I mean, there's no stability. It looks like there's no stability anywhere. I mean, with COVID and, and now the war in Europe and, and not to mention the, the climate uh, crisis. Uh, it feels like there's, you know, when there's a um, storm coming, so the, the air starts to move. It moves faster and faster. And so I, it feels like that, I think. Uh, yeah, no, what's but, what's coming next? <laughs> yeah, but I know I think that there's there's a lot of jobs and roles out there in companies where you kind of know what you're going to be doing for the next six months. And in our industry, I think you you can't like we need to always kind of like expect the unexpected. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's like when we started the company, like we started the company regardless of. Apple's changes. Uh, like I already already thought, okay, like attribution is not enough. Um, it doesn't give the full picture. Um, and and then uh, you know, boom, Apple made their change, which was pretty good for incremental as a company, I would say. And now Google as well. We're gonna get to that. Mm -hmm. But uh, I don't know. Let's uh, let's jump to another question here. Um, is marketing an art or a science in your perspective? I think it's both. Uh, you know. More on the marketing side and technology, definitely you need both because marketing still, it's uh, there's a, a, a creative dimension there. I mean, you still need to attract people. You still need to have the, the to know the psychology, to know uh, creative. Uh, so there's a lot of uh, art there. I mean, you know, there's we have a lot of uh, discussion internally about our vision and and how much we want to spend uh, to invest, uh, you know, on on automation. And I keep telling everybody that we're not going to have like a room, an empty big room with a machine inside or one person that, you know, hits like the enter button. No, I don't think this is possible in marketing. Um, but then there's like the spectrum of people that some say it, it might get closer to that. Others say, no, it will never get close to that because, again, this is the creative aspect, okay? Understanding people, knowing what will work, uh, doing the right creative using uh, um, uh, um, people's emotions to, to, to attract them. So this is the, the, the art part. And, of, and as I said earlier, I mean, the science, okay, the data, connecting the dots. Uh, um, I don't think you can do today marketing, uh, you know, uh, digital marketing only based on intuition and, and gut feeling. So you need to combine both. I agree with you. And, you know, it's, it's like, I've actually like been asking this question, everybody, but never answered myself. And it's weird because on the one hand, I'm CEO of a data science company. So I, you would expect me to say pure science, everything should be automated. You know, there should be a button that says make everything good and you click it and then everything becomes good. But I actually really push customers to not do a lot of marketing automation because you can't give up yet the human element that makes decision. And I would say gut and intuition 
is usually experienced or someone who's dictating a vision or has a vision to how things should be and can yeah. actually question what because I, I know I don't know if you um you know this joke it's like um you know um would you jump off the roof if your friends did based on AI you would so yeah it's not always uh, the right thing to do um um, what do you see as the biggest challenge in uh, engaging new gamers in today's world? Wow, this is really a, a, um, something that we, we deal with, I think, uh, on, almost on a daily basis. Um, I think that uh, um, on one hand, you know, you know we, we are... Uh, developing mobile games okay so i think it's different when you talk about of course consoles or even pc games so mobile is, is different in a sense that uh, almost every citizen of the the world has a mobile phone and most of them have like smartphones and and uh, games are very uh, accessible so you can you know see people in every age that are playing and uh, in every place this is because it's in your pocket right um on the other hand, you know, we are a, a business company and we have business goals. And, you know, we, we as, as much as we say to ourselves and to our employees, of course, we, we want to have to make our players uh, enjoy and have fun, but we also want them to pay, right? So um, I think it becomes uh, very, very difficult to compete. Um, 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 on, on players, uh, on new players, um, because uh, we, we see that um, the industries are going through consolidation, right? So bigger companies buy smaller companies and even bigger companies buy more companies. And I think that uh, together with the changes in, in, in the, let's say, the attic technology or measurement was because of privacy, the way that, that uh, companies are, are spending their marketing dollars is, is also changing. So this mess that you mentioned at the beginning also makes it more difficult to, to, uh, to, to get new, new players. Um, so... Yeah. And as we're talking about mess... Last year, Apple pretty much deprecated the device identifier. Um, after the initial shock um, today, do you see it as a curse or a blessing? Well, I think that uh, uh, final word has not been uh, said. I think that what Apple did actually uh, has made things worse because they started something, but they didn't finish it. Okay, so like today, fingerprinting or probabilistic uh, matching, uh, if we want to be more politically correct about the term, is it allowed or isn't it allowed? Uh, if it's allowed, I mean, uh, how could it be measured? Okay, so, so let's say that they had good intentions. You know, there are some different theories about that. Um, they didn't finish their work, okay? Um, so in, in that sense, it's a curse. Um, you mentioned the Google following in their footsteps. Uh, I think this was anticipated. It was also anticipated that Google would do it better, and it looks like they're doing it better. Um, and it's uh, at least on the, the, the sense that it's not going to be uh, like uh, 
uh, okay, you have uh, six months to, to, to do everything and then we will flip the switch. Um, so, I, I, you know, I think that again, the time, time would tell uh, how things would, would end up. Um, also, I think that, you know, for, for marketeers, um, definitely these days it's, it's not easy. So you can't, can't really say it's a blessing because, you know, people are, uh, get, they get used to something. So you, you gave them the, what we call like the user level data and everybody was used to, to using it. And, and to some extent, some even tried to, to, to abuse it or use it even more than they, they should have. That's right. And because of that, there was a lot of criticism. And I guess this is why the uh, governments and, 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 and consumers, they kind of pushed back. And, and this is why we see like privacy uh, trend increasing. Uh, so now everybody get, needs to get used to, to, this, uh, to this change. Um, so, so from, from our like, uh, perspective, uh, I think we can agree that it's difficult to find uh, uh, any any blessing there. Um, you know, I, I think you know it's, it might be funny, but if I think that if Apple would have taken it all the way, okay, and if they they were smart about it to do it in a way that is not unilateral, but you know to work together with industry and work together with Google and Facebook, um, then they could say, okay, guys. We want to bring new rules to the table. Let's do it properly. Here are the new rules. You have one year or two year, whatever. And then they are going to level the playing field. Then it's a totally different story because it might be a blessing because, okay, you know that everybody have new rules. Everybody's playing by them. So it's a fair game. But now, I mean, it, it's <laughs> not like that. <laughs> yeah, but uh, Apple is Apple. Let's, let's I think... Like Apple tends to drop things into the world, uh, whether if it's a new product, whether if it's a new, uh, um, whether if it's change, whether if it's a feature. I do agree with you that the way Apple handled ATT first and basically giving the market three months during global lockdown mode, COVID and so on to a big company like Parium, this is it's like impossible. Okay, and then okay, they delayed it. But when they launched it, eventually, I think it was like end of April. Um, they only launched some of the parts. It was not enough ability to actually test SKN network postbacks. Um, they said fingerprinting is not allowed, but some MMPs we know it uh, continue doing so. Now in iOS 16, apparently they're gonna essentially kill uh, fingerprinting because all IPs will be anonymized um, to Cupertino. So unless Unless that is your target, you're fine. But um, um, yeah, Google, like when Google announced um, privacy sandbox for Android quite recently, actually, even in the title, they said, um, they kind of like, you know, poked Apple saying that like uh, a rash slash uh, abrupt change is not helpful for anyone. And they're giving mm -hmm. like two years leeway for the industry. Now yeah. let's, let's kind of like talk two things that are very much related to the change. Do you think anyone was actually prepared for the whole privacy change? It looks like most, most companies uh, chose to uh, not to be prepared. I mean, I remember like in, in April, you know, uh, a little bit before, a little bit after the, the iOS 14.5 was, was released, 
there were some numbers uh, online about how many companies actually implemented the ATT pop-up and the numbers were really low. So, you know, it's, it's, for me, it's, it was a bit of a surprise because, you know, okay, I'm, I'm working in a corporate, we're a public company. So there are some things we had to do and we, if we, we wouldn't, then our legal team would kind of push us to, to do them. Uh, but, you know, uh, so many other companies simply looks like they, they kind of just were maybe ignorant about it or they, they, they chose not to do anything and wait to see how things evolve. Um, so, and, and I think that, um, so, so prepared, no. And also, you know, I think because mostly because Apple was again, not doing it together with the industry. So there are like other forces that were pulling or pushing in different directions. Um, it's also interesting to see, you know, like for example, um, um, you know, the, the, the MMPs and their role and the, the networks. And on the other hand, like Facebook and Google. So everybody reacted differently. Everybody was uh, prepared or unprepared. Uh, um, um, but I think that the majority of the industry was not prepared. And I think it uh, makes sense if you think about the time that uh, everybody had to, to be prepared. Um, but you know, on the other hand, uh, skies didn't fail and uh, <laughs> things are uh, still relatively okay. Uh, although everybody can agree that uh, marketing on iOS is not the same as it was before. And I'm sure that there are specific companies or like uh, if you want uh, segments in, 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 the, in the ecosystem that took a, a bigger hit, like all those DSPs that were focused on the retargeting, you know, they, they try to send optimistic messages saying, okay, what do you want? We have still 50% of devices with IDFA. Yeah, so yeah, 50% is is a lot if you look on the yeah, yeah. The, the, the half uh, glass that is full. <laughs> uh, and it kind of like related before we get to another question related. So Facebook recently took a big market hit uh, to their stock thanks to ATT. They, to be fair, it didn't hit the revenue figures, not by that much in Facebook's uh, terms, but the market was uh, really penalized them. Okay, their stock massively fell. As someone in user acquisition and marketing, do you think that Facebook deserves this? Well, first, you know, this is the more like, um, to me at least, it looks like more like um, an excuse. I'm not sure at all that Facebook uh, took this hit because of uh, ATT. You know, maybe their uh, audience network, um, you know, took took a hit because they, their targeting abilities uh, were kind of uh, maybe uh, um, disrupted. But you know, look at other um, networks. You have uh, Google; they have AdMob. It's practically the same. You have the other ad networks. No, nobody was was uh, hurt uh, because of ATT to that extent. Um, it's it's true that Facebook did comply, and they like said, okay, we are fully on board with SKR network. They are not using uh, you know fingerprinting, but I think Facebook problems are coming from a different place, different reasons. I mean, and again, not that I'm uh, like uh, uh, following their stock or or uh, uh, talking with analysts, but I think that Facebook first their um, user base is on the decline. 
you know, they have competition with new so uh, social media like TikTok that attracts younger audiences. Um, and I think also, as you look at them as a company, they, they had very, very big challenges recently. Yes, about privacy, but it's like different, maybe different type of privacy issues. And, you know, their, their like new positioning and their new name. Well, again, I'm not talking from an investor standpoint, but I think that their, their story is less uh, coherent than it was. And not sure if, you know, looking at the future, like 10, 10 20 years into the future, you know, if you look at companies like Apple, like Microsoft, like uh, Google, like Amazon, I, I see, still see them with us in 10, 20 years. I'm not sure about Facebook at all. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we, 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 when we try to, you know, um, advertise our games with Facebook, the performance is, is becoming less and less uh, good and the cost uh, keeps on increasing. And, you know, when, when we talk with our teams and, you know, one of the good things about working with a big advertiser like Perm is we have accessibility. Okay, so if we want to talk with the product team in Facebook or in Google, we will not get them on the call the next day, but we can, you know, uh, get in touch with them. And we, we see, we see a company that is, um, well, we don't see a company, we see people, of course, but, but you know, sometimes it's, it's, it's obvious that they don't have like a North Star, that they are confused, that they don't know what's going on, um, that they don't have like the, the same uh, confidence they had before in what they're doing. And, you know, for us, it's a, not a good sign. And so, you know, our, our uh, marketing uh, mix today is, is different than it was. And I think this is, this is also because of, of, you know, Apple's changes, but, uh, you know, I think most of uh, Facebook's marketing dollar is not coming from, uh, from gaming, okay? So, or from, from mobile app install. So um, I, I think that the, their total uh, revenues, um, you know, in, in other uh, segments were not hit that much, but again, as a company, their image, I think suffers from those things that I mentioned earlier. We talked about like being prepared for the changes and three, four weeks ago, roughly Google announced privacy sandbox for Android, you know, mm -hmm. trying to not be too much cynical. Do you think, and Google gave the market two years and not being too cynical. Do you think anyone will actually be more prepared? That, that's an interesting question because, um, you know, it's a very human, uh, uh, um, common human trait. I think there's even a name for it in psychology to, to, to do things at the very last minute. Procrastinate. Yeah, yeah that, that's, the, that's the, the word, but it's, I think it's called like a student syndrome, you know, that you get the, you are in university and you get a, an assignment and the, the teacher is telling you, okay, you have until next Friday to, to do it. You will, most, most people will, will do it the, the evening before, right? So even, even if they, they, they will give you extra time, you would still do it the night before, okay? So looks like those things that uh, are the same, okay? So um, I think also Google, they said not only that they, they, 
they expect the process it will take two years, but they said, yes, we, we, they released some documentation. They said it's kind of in, in beta and that they are willing to get feedback. So it, it looks as if things will change. So again, as a reason not to, to, to rush into doing something at this point. Um, also, you know, this uh, privacy sandbox from Google is not entirely new because it's like stands on the shoulders or is kind of a continuation of what they try to do for the, uh, for the web uh, part. And already we see that some things that they, they initially built, they changed them. Like they, they have those strange name flock, flock something. It's already not in there. So they had it from the web uh, sandbox and now they, they dropped it and they're doing something else. So I think it's a good sign because they try, they listen, they, they get the feedback, then they change. Um, I think, but eventually they, they will get there. And I think Google knows advertising, uh, naturally this is their main business. So they know it more than uh, Apple. And, but, but also Google is, is a very big company and they have different interests inside. You know, it, it reminds me uh, a few years ago, I was working in one of the Israeli companies. It was part of the, what was called the download valley. And, you know, toolbars and stuff like that. And, you know, we, we had like uh, um, uh, agreements with, with Google uh, about uh, monetization, monetizing their search. Uh, and, and at the same time, a different group in, in Google and came and told us, okay, this is the, 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 the Chrome, the browser group. Those things that you were doing with toolbars, you cannot do them anymore, okay? So like two groups in Google, they had to choose, okay, which revenue stream do we want to continue with and which one would get hurt? And then they made their choice, okay? So um, here I think uh, um, today looks like Google will, will be more, uh, definitely more organized uh, uh, and aligned than Apple with this, also with the industry. Um, and to me, actually, the, the more interesting about Google is where it would stop. And what I mean is that I think Google is positioned not only to do what Apple did in terms of, okay, let's depreciate the, the advertising ID, uh, but also uh, uh, to provide an alternative for attribution. And I think that if they want, this alternative can also uh, entirely replace the, the MMPs. Um, I think it's a matter of decision for Google, not a matter of uh, technology or anything else. Um, and it's gonna be interesting to see if they will do it. Since we're kind of running out of time, um, we made a list of terms flying around the industry. And I wanted to kind of get your perspective if something is actual, like, like, uh, you know, a trend or um, industry mumbo jumbo bullshit. Um, NFT. <laughs> yeah, definitely a trend. Um, I, I don't know personally, okay? It's, it's uh, also intriguing for me. Uh, I think in gaming, there's potential for that. But also now there are some, some discussions about uh, companies and people using it in a way that is like unfair or, or fraudulent. So maybe there's a, this is like the bubble stage and this bubble has to burst first and then it will kind of get to a place where it becomes more uh, reasonable to, to really uh, become a, a piece of the, 
of the industry. Related and related metaverse. <laughs> uh, you know, I think for this this is something that I think it's it's more for the long term. Uh, it's really interesting to see. I think that one hurdle for that is you know how do you get into this metaverse? Is it really depending on VR technology or or not? Um, I think now it's very, very early. Uh, I, I look at it still as, um, as, a, as, as a kind of game or gamification of something. Uh, but, you know, maybe I'm too old school for that. Influencer marketing. This is definitely not a trend. This is something which is core to, to marketing today. Uh, Plario Market is actually one of the first companies that utilized influencer marketing as performance marketing to market our games. We have very huge budgets. We have been working in, in multiple um, social media platforms for, for that, uh, YouTube, Twitch, uh, Instagram, TikTok, and um, working with hundreds, if not thousands of content creators around the world. So I think this is uh, something that is here to stay and it's gonna be interesting to see how it evolves. And uh, media mix modeling? Uh, well, you know, uh, some, someone uh, took it uh, from the, uh, uh, you know, from the back drawer <laughs> recently uh, when uh, we were hit by uh, privacy. I think that everybody's still uh, struggling to, to find uh, something that will kind of replace the, the, the wealth of data that we had before and the ability to make data-driven decisions. Um, I think it's still, still early to say. Um, some, something, I think something would emerge, okay? Because you know, I don't think that we, we can go back to the era where we said, okay, we are doing like TV campaign where we are spraying and you know, getting eyeballs and no. People, you know, they, they they were used to, to data. They're addicted to looking in data and KPIs. They, they want something to replace what they have, what they had. And yeah, this is maybe one of the alternatives. And Amir, what's a random fact about you? Oh, just a random fact. Um, I have four kids, four sons. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and two of them are twins. So, you know... Uh, weekends and, and uh, just uh, riding in the car with uh, four uh, noisy kids. It's, uh, <laughs> it's definitely different than my uh, uh, usual day-to-day uh, -day, uh, routine at work. Okay, so that's why you prefer going to the office when it's quiet yes. and it's like not <laughs> mandatory. Okay, cool. And Amir, if people want to find you, if they want to follow you or ping you, uh, what's the best way to do that? Well, I have profiles in all social media. I'm in LinkedIn and, and, and Facebook. I'm not very active there, but uh, if you want to find me, I'm, I'm there and you can, everybody's interested can uh, write me a line. No worries, no problem with that. Cool. So thank you so much for your time. I know thank that you. you always have a very busy day because you guys are indeed uh, like busy people. And by the way, you were mentioning earlier about some people like, you know, uh, they're like used to slash addicted to the data. I know some of the colleagues you are referring to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you do. Cool. Okay. So thank you so much and have a lovely day. Thank you, Maur. Thank you for having me. Have a nice day as well. <laughs>